Hi, and welcome to Today in the Medium. I'm Dan, and this is Jimmy. Hey there. And Today in the Medium is a podcast where we talk about all sorts of things. Yeah, that could be uh, TV. That could be cinema stuff. I mean, films. Um, that could be talking about Christmas films at the end of April. Um, oh, which... by the time they hear this. Oh, it'll be May. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, this could be talking about Christmas films in the middle of May, at the beginning of May. Which, uh, I don't know if that's what it sounds like we're talking about, but we are talking about that today. Yeah. Um, I got really excited about the Netflix cinematic Christmas universe, holiday universe, again. And so we figured we'd do the research. We'd prepare. Um, we'd really dig into it, you know? I've watched one of the ten films. Chewie's watched four. <laughs> So we really uh, dived in on it. We're we're gonna rank the we're gonna talk about all of the films in the Netflix holiday movie universe. We'll give you like the cliff notes on what happens. We'll talk about how they are linked into a cinematic universe, and then we're gonna rank them without having seen most of the things we're ranking. Um, That's becoming our norm. Yeah, I mean it's it's. It, we're Be just prepared good for at some. Hot takes for cold, cold topics. But not because like it's Christmas. cold, cold, like cozy cold, you know? <laughs> you know, cozy by the fire with like, you know, your hot chocolate and your marshmallows, gingerbread so, houses. Yeah, like all of that good Christmas stuff. That's what we need. Um, that's what we're here for. Let's Let's go through them. So... What have we got? We've got Christmas Inheritance is, I think, one of the earliest films. It's 2017. And that, yeah. The film features Eliza Taylor as a spoiled New York, York City heiress sent to a small New England town with limited resources to test if she's ready to take over her father's company. When circumstances strand her, her experiences with the town people give her a new perspective on her life and her privilege, whilst also leading to romance with the local inn manager. Like, this is classic Christmas film nonsense. It's someone from the big city, they they get stuck in a small town. Uh, it's everything you want from a Christmas film, you know? I don't go to a Christmas film to see two people who already love Christmas and already have families realize that they're uh, real happy, you know. Anyway, I want to see somebody have development. And that's one of the big things when you look at stories, right? Is you want to see some form of character development as you go through. Now, yeah. this is the typical archetype for any Christmas film ever, where, especially like Hallmark, Netflix, that type of genre, especially, right? So I feel like this is a real solid it really sets the template that they that they chose to go for yeah it's classic it's the basics i think the one thing it's missing is the sort of as far as i can tell from skimming the wikipedia page it's missing the conflict of like maybe the maybe her dad the ceo wants to like buy out the fishing corporation that, oh that would be a good thing or something you know yeah normally some... there's something to do with the the company wanting to buy out the town or like 
yeah, some form of in the town or something that the that the protagonist can then cure or like save by really bringing the two or contrasting concepts together. That was too many C's in a sentence. There's alliteration for you. Um, yeah, and really kind of bringing the CEO dad together and the innkeeper boyfriend together, and they really see eye to eye. And instead of him just taking over, they be, they blossom into a a beautiful business partnership. Yeah. That's mean, what it's missing. There's a little bit of deception. Apparently, she claims oh. to be a baker when she stays at the inn, rather than revealing oh. that she's like a rich CEO. But but it's yeah, not, I do that as well. Know, <laughs> I'm just an ordinary baker. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, so, classic, classic stuff. Yeah, I'm a fan of this. Um, I I think it really hits the template home, and it's going to be the next one that I watch out of the net. You know what I think we do, Dan? As a what? side note, I think that we watch these at some point in the near future. Maybe by near future, I mean any time in the next eight months. Yeah, and then one of our Christmas episodes, our Christmas month that we'll do, we will come back and revisit this. Yeah, I think we could revisit this. I think that'd be fun. Um, I think that'd be fun. With and we can knowledge. really exactly, and we can see how well our initial basis based off Wikipedia stands up against the uh, the full viewpoint. However, let's come back to the issue at hand. And how 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 are you feeling about this? It's it's the basic standard. I think yeah. most of the others have got a bit more to them. Um, which might push this further down the rankings, but that doesn't mean it's bad in general as a concept. It just means that some of these films have excellent concepts. I do love <laughs> you know, some of the concepts in these. Christmas tap concepts, not excellent like general concepts. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, what else have we got? We've got we've done Christmas Inheritance. What about Holiday in the Wild? This just sounds chaotic. Knowing nothing about this film, I'm going to guess the plot. And Go it's on. a family that um, of kind of like the mum and the dad are falling out, okay? And in order to save it, the kid somehow intervenes in the holiday planning. And instead of them going to like, you know, Florida or some other popular holiday destination, because that's nice and warm... They send them off to uh, the woods in Alaska, where the family has to bond together to survive. <laughs> um, um, and and as a result, they realize that the true meaning of Christmas is in togetherness. And that's my that's my guess for the plot of this film based on Holiday in the Wild. Right. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a nice idea. Um, I'm just trying to work out what the conclusion to this film is. Because, oh, <laughs> because it's <laughs> not given away in the. So after their son leaves for college, Kate surprises her husband Drew with a second honeymoon to Zambia. But that's that's not where I but went. <laughs> Drew confesses that he's no longer in love with her and was waiting for their what? son to go to college before ending their marriage. No, so Kate goes on the trip alone. But then she meets someone at the bar called Derek and has a chat with him and talks about her situation, leaves in a huff, uh, and then arrives for a chartered flight to the next resort, only to find out that Derek from the bar was the pilot. No! This is so much juicier uh, than what I came up with. Unexpectedly lands the plane in the wild where they discover a traumatized baby elephant, uh, and Kate 
who was a trained veterinarian but no longer practiced, helps save this um, elephant. This um, film's crazy. But Derek has a girlfriend oh. who's part of the foundation that that funds the sanctuary that the elephant goes to. Yeah. Kate forms a bond with the elephant, obviously. Of course. Uh, they Kate and Derek's relationship deepens, and then she gets sad because she gets divorce papers. And then at Christmas, the son, Luke, comes and visits, confesses his unhappy in his business course um he wants to be a musician yeah <laughs> that's important all um, of the arts but kate discourages him from this kate what kate oh my god it's got rob Lowe in it that's crazy sorry i've just yeah. looked at the photo <laughs> <laughs> uh so leslie discovers a portrait so Leslie's Derek's girlfriend, and she discovers a portrait of Kate that Derek grew. And what the they, fuck? And then Derek? they break up because of this thing. And she says the board will cut the sanctuary's funding. What? But then Kate returns to New York, gets a new job as a vet, convinces her son to study music in college. And then she makes a fundraising campaign to fund the uh, sanctuary to keep it open. And then sells her apartment and moves back to Zambia to be with Derek. I, okay, right. There's one thing that I want to point out about this. I don't like the fact that her ex-husband's name is Drew and her new boyfriend's name is Derek. It's the most, like... It's the most white person name you can imagine. Do you know what I mean? And Netflix Christmas movies are pretty much that, you know? I Especially it back really in one feels season. like they've tried to put a twist on it and ended up with like Hey, I was bought in the middle of this, I'm not gonna lie. I it sounds like a rom com. It does a it bit, doesn't, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like a Christmas rom com. No. Now I've not watched it, but just concept-wise, I would rate this as as lower than Christmas Inheritance. Just because I, think... I don't think it's got that sort of Christmas. It doesn't what? seem like it's full full of Christmas spirit. Well, what 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 does Christmas mean to you, Dan? What that's a big question in the end of April. Um... <laughs> that's why I'm asking you, Dan. This is the best time to ask that question. For... Fun and family and friends and food and lots of Fs. Yeah, fire. And <laughs> not you less, know, less fire. Uh, Christmas fires, tree. Fires. You know, yeah. presents. Those weird um, gingerbread houses, stuff like that. I'm not sure that being in the middle of Zambia where it's nice and hot. Like, I get that Christmas happens, but also, I don't think you can call yourself a cheesy Christmas film unless at some point there is a dramatic snowfall so that one person can be inside the building and one person can be outside and they can lock eyes through the window, you know? Yeah, that's the bit that's missing. Or one of them's looking to leave the town, but the dramatic snowfall stops them from leaving and then they have to spend that extra night together. Exactly. Um, Where's the so, dramatic snowfall? It's just an elephant. Potentially great film, but 
Christmas film, though. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to come high <laughs> in our our rankings. Sorry, Holiday in the Wild. Sorry, Rob Lowe. I expected better from you, to be honest. And your agent for picking your jobs, probably. <laughs> um, where sh- what should we go to next? Uh, what have we got next on the list? How about should we go through? Do we want to do the individual ones first, or do we work chronologically? I think I think we've not worked chronologically so far. So let's let's cover some more of the individual ones. Let's night before Christmas. Let's let's do it. The first appearance of Vanessa Hudgens in our listing. Um, uh, I do have Vanessa Hudgens. I the only four films that I have watched are the four with Vanessa Hudgens in. Fair enough. Um, she is Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> if you ever listen to this. Hi, how's it going? I hope you have a good day. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> yeah. So, I, the plot of this one is that Cole is a medieval squire, not a knight, uh, but basically yep. like a knight. He helps an unidentified old crone in the woods. She gives mm-hmm. him a quest to earn knighthood. Um, and the quest transports him in time into a small town in Ohio in 2019, <laughs> where he meets high school science teacher Brooke, played by Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. Um, who is disillusioned by love. Who hits him by a, with a car. Uh, <laughs> but then, because he's got no ID and like no memory, and Brooke runs a guest home, I guess? Like... She feels like she has to look after him because she's got that spare space. Yeah. So she looks after him, and they uh, slowly become friends, and blah blah blah. Host a Christmas feast. Mm-hmm. Um. They complete the quest. Uh, I think he learns the meaning of spirit and has... Oh, he he kisses her, which is his quest. And then... They... Cole gets sent back in time because he's completed his quest, realises the unhappiness, and then finds the crone again and gets transported back to 2019. Um, and they ride around on a horse. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's the, that's the plot of the film. I'm I'm here for it. I like the fact that they're really hitting home on the what's the true meaning of Christmas. You know, I, we discover the true meaning of Christmas. Um, we have someone from. It's like the reverse of the big city guy who gets stuck in a small town or big city, like businesswoman. Yeah, who gets stuck. It's it's not like the either small town person being stuck in the city which is like your elf your presumably other films it's not your big city being stuck in a small town it's 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 14th century night instead of small town being stuck in a small town in a small city <laughs> <laughs> like it's great it's that same sort of trapped in a place where you don't understand things and have to slowly learn like everything that's going on there and as they learn they fall like classic christmas film stuff 
I think that this is the twist that Christmas films needed, time travel. <laughs> That's it. I mean, okay, I'd like to take a, a, a quick note to mark that this guy has come from 1334. Yeah. And time travel. Yeah. Well, this is, <laughs> I'm, well, yeah, I don't know how he ended up in Ohio. I'm not going to lie. But, and there's a lot of questions to be, to be answered for that one. Um, however, what was happening in England in 1330 that made this guy be like, you know what? In Norwich specifically as well. I mean, to be fair, I'd yeah, want to yeah. get out of Norwich no matter what time uh, of year it was. <laughs> the, I think that it looks like maybe there was still some sorts of like crusades, perhaps. The Battle of Christian, the Christian Naval League. Were maybe he just wanted things. to get away from the crusades, is what it was. Um, Maybe he was just jaded by the whole effect. Possibly. Possibly. But, whatever happened, he ended up in Ohio and loved it. And I love this concept. I I really... It's a great concept. This is the reason that I think Christmas Inheritance is going to end up quite low when we rank these things. Like, Christmas Inheritance, great, but it's not got that time travel twist. Um, I'm excited. Uh, which, Which then leads us to the last one of our individual films. Uh, which is The Holiday Calendar. Okay, right, based off the name alone, I'm very excited for this. So, magic calendar from her grandmother, uh, Abby receives. Josh, who is her friend who's been around the world, returns to see her. Yeah. As the doors in the advent calendar, they match up to things. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, on December 1st, the calendar's a pair of boots, and Josh gives her a pair of boots on the 2nd. (laughs) There's a Christmas tree in the calendar, and she meets a guy called Ty Walker after his tree falls off the roof of his car into her path. Um, oh, oh, this one's making me cringe reading it. I'm not going to lie. But in the happens, best. There's a Nutcracker costume Ty's daughter wears in the play in Abby's niece's school. Um. It seems like whatever happens in the whatever picture appears in the calendar, something happens in a day that relates to the thing that was in the calendar. And oh, she dates Ty Ty for a couple of weeks and then breaks up. Yeah, we read that at the same time. Um, I just got to that. That's juicy. I like the fact that they break up. I like a break up in a Christmas film. It really makes a Christmas film. Like talks about her her belief about the calendar, and Ty's like, nah, and she's like, well, <laughs> leave then. Um, I fucking love that energy. Yes, Abby, you get it, at, you know. And then, oh, she gets with Josh because they both like photography. Okay, Abby, I expected more. That's a J name, and I realised that I'm called Jimmy, but you could. <laughs> I mean, Josh did give her the boots on December the 1st. Um, Could be called Dane, or like, I don't know, some other weird white boy named Craig. <laughs> Luke. Uh, Paul. Dan. 
Hell, Dan, you know? Good name. It's, it is. It's better than it's better than any J name. And that's um, my political stance for the series. So, yeah. A bit of an odd one. I... Okay, right. I like the fact that I like the fact it's a Christmas calendar. However, I feel like they could have done better with it. Now, one of my favorite Christmas series is A Christmas in Evergreen, which if you've not watched, do it. It's one of Hallmarks. So, doesn't quite come into this category. However, yeah. it's gold. And there's one um there's one of the series, there's four films. Uh, where where a calendar is kind of brought into it. And I love what well, I won't go into too much detail just in case somebody decides to watch it. However, mwah, mwah, mwah. they knew what they were doing with it. Whereas I feel like with this, it's the focal point, which is why it's called the holiday calendar. But it feels lackluster, you know? I like the fact that there's Christmas themes with the calendar and the Christmas trees and the boots and all the fun stuff. Yeah. It feels lacking. In my expert opinion on Christmas films. However, being a Christmas in Evergreen is a high standard, so... I... Yeah, it's got a... Cal- like... And clearly there's all this photography stuff. I'm just not uh-huh. sure that it stands out in the same way some of the others do. Yeah. I um, feel like it's a... Uh... It's a low to mid. I feel like yeah. it's better than a holiday in the wild. Definitely. Everything's like, better it's than It's still that. definitely holiday. It's still Christmassy. There's a key plot point around an advent calendar. There's some magic with the calendar, which is always good. Yeah. Like a bit of magic in there. But I, I'm just, I just don't know. I don't know conceptually. It's not, yeah. it's not sold me immediately. That is fair. Um, shall where shall we go? Where shall we go next? I think conceptually, the ones that did sell me immediately are the Princess Switch. Which I fucking they, love they, the Princess Switch. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, do you, Do you want to explain these ones since you've watched them? <laughs> do I do I do I want to? I don't. You know, right. Okay, so uh, we don't need detail. I just need. I, I... All right, I'll it's... start with the first one. Okay. Yeah. So the princess switch. Um, there is a an American baker who goes to um, who gets offered like a place in this really prestigious competition that is. Uh, for some made-up kingdom that I feel like is in the middle of, like, Norway. Uh, I can't really remember too much. I'm not going to lie. However, it's like a made-up place, right? Right. At least I hope it is. If there's anybody from that nation, I very sincerely apologise. Sorry, give me... It's made up. It's one of our crossover points. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, as they're there, um... There is there's a like a prince and a princess who are kind of like destined to be together. Like obviously, like it's like an arranged marriage kind of situation that's going on. Um, yeah. The the American baker played by Vanessa Ann Hudgens, and the uh, princess 
also played by Vanessa Ann Hudgens. Vanessa Hudgens, sorry, I don't know if you dropped the middle name for some reason. Um, that's on me. I'm, I'm still stuck in high school musical days. Anyway, they bump into each other, and then they realize, what a shock, that they look identical. The princess wants to get away from her day-to-day life, so they switch places, and she has to act like a baker and put on an American accent, which obviously she does well at, and then, she, you know, the baker has to put on a British accent, which is fine. <laughs> she gets a pass yeah. because she's Vanessa Hudgens, and, you know, I respect it. Yeah. I like the effort, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the story progresses, and the baker has come along with, um, like, her baker friend. Yeah. And obviously the prince is there as well. Now, what a shock. As the two switch, they start realizing that they're falling for the like the the male Popular counterpart ones. in their situations. Yeah, yeah. classic. Which, it's such a good move. Anyway, the film culminates with this baking competition going on. As um, they they switch back over at some point, so yeah. they're back in their original positions. They do the baking thing, and then they realize that they kind of really want to be with the the person, the male yeah. counterpart, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the film ends very happily with the baker becoming a princess and then the princess deciding to move to America. Um, yeah, it's an interesting move for her, I think. So, yeah. Anyway, All's Well That Ends Well, it's a really good film. I really rate it. It's got a yeah. lot of, obviously, like, it's based in a very Christmassy town. You know, there's lots of snow and stuff. I and, like it. You know, Christmas old, vibes. Yeah. Snowball fights, no. you know. Snow, snowman building stuff. Maybe some ice skating thrown in there. I can't actually remember. It's been a while. What I genuinely think is inspired about this is the setup for the sequels, where, like, the whole commoner swapping places with a princess only really works as a shock factor once in one film. Yeah. But by marrying the commoner to this prince she becomes the princess of like the other nation yeah so they're now both princesses which means you can have a sequel (laughs) exactly and it sets up all of the concept concept wise love the swapping dumb as hell yeah uh I've got to say, I think and it's a it great just, film. It sets up well. I'm I'm behind this one. I, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm as behind. I I, I really like a night before the night before Christmas. It's got night a for the name. It's got a great yeah. concept. Like, but I think this is way up there. Um, it really hits different. Yeah, and has Vanessa Hudgens as two different people. Which, if you're keeping track, because these do take place all in the same universe. <laughs> Supposedly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That means that Vanessa Hudgens plays at least three people so far. And and to make things interesting, we have the sequel to The Princess Switch. (laughs) The Princess Switch switched again. Which... (laughs) Go on. Yeah, so as far as I can tell with this one, like, classic rom-com sequel people's careers are getting rid in the way of their relationships. They decide to swap to sort of re-experience what happened the first time. Mm-hmm. 
in what could be a film on its own of just them swapping and swapping back and realizing what made them fall in love in the first place and everything going okay. But because <laughs> because this is the princess switch switched again, we have to make things more complicated. So Vanessa Hudgens takes on her fourth character in this universe <laughs> as their evil cousin Lady Fiona who disguises herself <laughs> as the princess from the first film yeah. in order to be crowned as the queen of the place from the first film. Because yeah. obviously, if you're crowned, even if you're faking your identity, once the crown's on your head, you are the queen. Because that's <laughs> how royalty works. That's it. Them's the rules, you know? Um... <laughs> So this evil cousin's just that. Um, I, I believe that's basically the plotline. Yeah, so you've got Stacy, which is the American baker, who's now the princess of Belgravia, which is the name of the town. Yeah. I've, I've just done a little bit of a side research as we've been talking about it. And Margaret was the princess from the first one, who is yeah. now, presenting, uh, now preparing to ascend the throne of Montanaro, following the death of her dad, and then the decision of his her brother to abdicate. So she's now like stepping up as well. So they're both princesses again. However, Fiona's rocking along now and it's like, look, I don't like this. Margaret's cousin, obviously. Yep. Uh and yeah, she's just trying to she's just trying to claim the throne claim the throne for herself and loot the royal treasury as well, which I think is yeah. an important factor. Setting well, up there's a guy in there called Count Antonio Rossi who <laughs> is evil and no one worked it out from the fact that his name is Count Antonio Rossi. Anybody called Count is a bad person. Like, the position of Count, I understand that, like, it's a key place in the nobility, and I'm sure there are plenty of Counts out there that aren't evil. But if you're a Count in modern cinema, like... Count Dooku. Count Olaf. Count Dracula. Count Antonio Rossi. <laughs> <laughs> you really completed the list there, you know? I exactly. I that many more Counts. That's right. I'm evil. glad that you did that. Yeah, exactly. I can't think of a good count. Um, exactly. The one from Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. He gets a pass, though. There's an exception to every rule, Dan, okay? <laughs> the exception that proves the rule. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's the second one. And they fall in love with the respective partners again and promise to resolve everything. And the cousin cheers them on at the thing, despite being escorted by police. Yeah. At some point, I'm reading from the Wikipedia page here, <laughs> I'm not entirely certain when, but at some point between the penultimate and the final paragraph, Fiona appears to have a massive change of heart. Yeah. For whatever reason. Or uh, Christmas magic, I assume. Yeah, of course, it's Christmas magic, you know? True love conquers all. Yeah. Christmas magic. It's all about togetherness, all that fun stuff. I I've really concept wise, I think it's taken everything that was great about the first one and gone. What if we do this but more? Yes, which <laughs> is good. Not enough films do that nowadays. I think you know you can do that and go wrong. Anchorman Two's the classic example of they took all of the best bits from the first film and just did them again, but bigger and with a higher budget. Yeah. And it didn't super work out well. However, I, 
I do kind of like Anchorman 2. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I really understand that the plot line's nonsense. I understand that a ton of, like, the charm of the original is completely lost. But they take all the best bits and just go, what if we turn all of this to 11? Mm-hmm. I don't need more complex things. I don't need something weird going on. I need them to go, our initial film was a success because Vanessa Hudgens played two different characters, so let's just add another character. You know what? Right? As, an, as an actor, I imagine that's one of the funnest things to do is to just play four different people at once. Or three in this case. But, you know, yeah. play multiple people. Like um, Moon Knight at the moment with Oscar Isaac. I imagine that's so fun to do. I, it, it's got to be, surely. I mean, a lot of work, but... Hey, you're getting paid great. more for it, though. I'm sure you could argue that you're being paid for three people's work here. Maybe. I don't know. That's what I'd do. However, I'm also not an actor. I don't know if you could guess, but here we are. So, then we have The Princess Switch 3 romancing the star. <laughs> <laughs> um... So the Vatican loans a festival in one of the countries, the Star of Peace, which is a sacred relic. Mm -hmm. Some thieves steal it. Yep. But luckily, Stacy and Margaret, Vanessa Hudgens, uh, both of them, know Approach. a super criminal. <laughs> <laughs> it's Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> um, as Fiona, the bad guy from... The third, the second, the second one, yeah. So they team up in a triple Vanessa Hudgens thing. That's so fucking funny. Uh, uh, some stuff happens. It mostly seems to center around the star rather than like any romance, according to skimming through the Wikipedia here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Various sort of hijinks hijinks, breaking into places. Oh, Fiona might have some romance with Peter? Yeah. Um, who's the... Who's, who's Peter? A disgraced Interpol investigator who now runs a private security for, firm and is basically the one that's doing the deductive work, and then... I feel like it's an enemies-to-friends situation there, you know? Yeah. Going from being the supervillain who Paul was probably helping to track down, Peter, um, who was helping to track down, not Paul, um, to, uh, you know, Fiona being like, maybe he's alright, you know, maybe I do like him. So, it's Vanessa Hudgens as Fiona, the new character who didn't have a partner, discovering her partner, who's a disgraced former Interpol investigator, <laughs> through a series of crimes and heists, and then at the end, the Star of Peace lights up because they've got the right relic back and they kiss. So it's, it's, it's a romance arc for the one that didn't get a romance arc in the second one, still featuring Vanessa Hudgens as all of the other Vanessa yep. Hudgens characters. Less, less, I, I like that the, we're not stressing as much about their relationships. I think sometimes when rom-coms get too many sequels, you're like, but it ended so well last time. And then like they solve their problems, and then, 
you know, you end up in just a situation of they solve their problems every film and then have new problems again. It's like, yeah, this is it. Be threatening to break up over every mild inconvenience. Otherwise, it's not the fairy tale romance that we're being sold. Exactly, and that's what Christmas is all about. The fairy tale romance. The fairy tale romances that fall apart in three months when they're put under like a modicum of stress. Okay. Christmas is a lie. I, I, I mean, Christmas like is great. The, I like <laughs> some of the notes from the reviews here. Like, yep. Um, Jones <laughs> is so good, she manages to distract from the less than interesting ensemble cast. The premise is ridiculous, uh, but due to Vanessa Hudgens' Herculean efforts, the Princess Switch <laughs> 3 will be hit with fans. I understand that we've talked a lot about Vanessa Hudgens whilst talking about these films, but as far as I can tell, th- this film is based on the concept of we will get Vanessa Hudgens to play three different characters. I'd like to point out that Vanessa Hudgens also produced this one. Yeah, like... This is a film about Vanessa Hudgens playing as many different characters as Vanessa Hudgens can, and and doing it well. Apparently, Herculean doing it effort. Yeah, so I, I like it. I, <laughs> she does have a special place in my heart, Dan. I very, I really like the the poster at the top of the Wikipedia page, which has <laughs> got. Vanessa Hudgens' name three different times instead of any of the other cast members' names <laughs> on it. I like that's big. I that's such a power play. Such a you power know? play. I respect it so much. I know we're a month behind, but women's women's International Women's Month. You know, power to Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. It's a brave stance. <laughs> so, so. That leads us to the Christmas Prince films. Um, they start off like fairly standard, like Christmas Prince One. We've got an American journalist Amber who's sent to Aldovia, this fictional nation, to cover a press conference given by the prince. Um, Richard, like the prince. Yes, the Prince Richard's. He's like pretty. Um, reclusive, I think. He doesn't appear in like a ton of press stuff, so Amber's snooping around trying to get some news, and some of the staff find her and assume that she's the princess, like who's like a child, Princess Emily, uh, Emily's tutor. She like goes along with this to try and investigate what's going on, because there's rumours that the prince is going to abdicate, and that would be, you know, Especially with his, like, portrayed in the press as being, like, an irresponsible playboy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Emily is, like, in a wheelchair. She becomes friends with Amber, and then as friends with the princess, she starts to meet the family and becomes attracted to this Prince Richard who she's met and realises that he's actually really nice, but he is reluctant to take the throne. And there's a cousin called Simon who's scheming and jealous, and he wants the throne. Simon's important later Ooh. on. Yeah, don't um, forget Simon. There's also an ex-girlfriend, Sophia, of the prince, who Richard suspects was only interested in for his title. 
classic Christmas film nonsense. Uh, eventually they realize or someone exposes that Amber's a journalist. Things start falling apart. Um, but yeah. in, <laughs> in a weird twist, it also turns out that this Prince Richard is adopted. Sophia, who only wants a title, reveals that he's adopted and try and marry <laughs> Simon to try and become queen, but she can't become queen until the old queen can preside over the ceremony. But there's a poem Not a that's poem. been left by the dead old king. Basically, this series of clues that Amber solves, and inside this acorn, this Christmas ornament acorn, um, there's this note, which is a fully signed proclamation that Richard's the rightful heir. So she brings that in. in Amber interrupts the um, the coronation of evil Simon shows that that's the case. Richard gets crowned instead. She leaves and she writes about her stuff. Um, the newspaper she works for, the magazine, refuses to publish her stories. She quits and starts writing a blob, blog, which becomes a blob. hugely <laughs> a blob. Becomes hugely popular. Eventually, R Prince Richard discovers the blog and so this has happened like over Christmas, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's all like in the setup to Christmas and Christmas ornaments. And then she leaves and spends Christmas itself at in um in New York. And then on New Year's Eve, she's working in a dad's diner when Richard does that whole thing of like coming in from the outside and blah blah blah. I love you. And proposes and th th they live happily ever after until the sequel. I feel <laughs> I feel like this is giving me like predictable but sweet vibes, you know? Predictable, sweet, a lot of like they use this Eldovia thing to have a lot of that sort of ridiculously pompous Christmas nonsense. Yeah. That you want, you know, Christmas Eve balls, uh decorations, mm -hmm, horseback mm -hmm. rides in the snow, all that sort of thing. Um All that lovely stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I feel like it's a pretty mid. It's pretty mid. Yeah. It's good. It's good. And it does everything you want a Christmas film to do. Yeah, basically. I'm but is it like, the princess switch, though, you know? It's not the princess switch. I think, <laughs> I think it, yeah, it's predictable, but it does it well, is the thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which leads us into The Princess Switch 2, The Royal Wedding, the sequel that came out a year later. Yeah. And takes place a year later. They're still what a shock. In, yeah. They're still engaged. Amber is in Aldovia, which is the country, and she's still blogging about living as a... But it's now about living as a royal. And the blog's important. <laughs> but... She is being annoyed and overwhelmed with like the royal protocol and the sort of protocol. Lack of people. control. Designers like, yeah. are like 
inf- doing things on a blog and blah blah blah, and that's like her sort of initial arc. However, and also on the other side, the prince is trying to deal with the economic situation in Aldovia, and there's been this initiative to try and revitalize the economy, but mysteriously, it's not working. Um. And the queen, like the prince's dad, uh, the prince's mum, the queen, brings in the lord Leopold, who'd previously helping helped with the dad. So, like obviously, the bad guy, classic. He helped with the dad. It's all set up from the moment he's introduced. Yeah, we love it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Simon returns. Uh. Blah blah blah. Sam is the cousin. Yeah, the evil cousin. Dun, dun, um, dun. Yeah, so like you've just got this whole thing, and then eventually they sort of swap, and Amber decides to investigate the royal finances and solves everything. Meanwhile, Richard. Just vibes. He, he doesn't do much. He doesn't even really step in against the designer people until like quite late. There's a scene where he's like smoking weed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but eventually, I think he steps up and steps in and goes, "Hey, let's let's embrace modernity as well." Yeah, uh, but that's like in the final thing. It's revealed that like there's been this secret group of companies called the Glockenspiel Consortium, owned by okay. Leopold, that have been stealing money from the country. Bonus points to the Glockenspiel. It doesn't get enough representation. I just like that thrown out there. I used to play the Glockenspiel. (laughs) Bonus points for Glockenspiel representation. Sure. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Richard then gives everyone bonuses. Everyone celebrates. They finally marry and... In a a ceremony that blends tradition with modernity... So everything gets resolved, and it's all okay. Hooray! Um, if I had a party popper, I'd use it right now. And that's that's the second film. Yeah. I. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I think that. What's I feel like gone is that. Amber's arc in the second film about like royal demands and strict guidelines and stuff is what I'd almost expect from the first film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. When you have a, a, a commoner getting with a prince, like that's that's the big plot line. Yeah, like having and to then, adjust all the royal protocol and all that jazz. Yeah, and then they've you've got all this like back behind the scenes sort of money and conspiracy and blah 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 with the evil It feels like an oddly in-depth amount of political intrigue. But I'm not sure if that's because of the writing of the person that wrote this Wikipedia page. Yeah, the Wikipedia page is a mess. Um, Go read it. We've not watched the films. Um, I mean, this is the least messy of the three Christmas Prince Wikipedia pages. We are editorialising heavily. But, um... It does feel like a as sequels to rom-coms go, it seems like this one is mostly sensible. Um, weird that the 
economic thing didn't really seem to matter at all in the first one when they were throwing balls and everything. Mm -hmm. Whilst presumably everyone was still poor. Um, Yeah. But in terms of like Amber's arc, makes sense. It's the sensible continuation. It's all right. Yeah. And then there's the third one. A Christmas Prince, the Royal Baby. <laughs> this holiday season, expect the unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're ready for this one. This is the longest plot section I think I've ever seen on a Wikipedia plot summary. It's got a note from Wikipedia saying that the plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. And I can tell you it's both. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, King Richard and Queen Amber are preparing to welcome their first child. They're the royal couple now. They're keeping everything secret. Simon invites Melissa, who's Amber's friend, to Eldova for Christmas. Simon's still, like, a little bit untrustworthy. And Melissa reveals that she and Simon are in love. Which dun, is, dun, like, dun. the romance plot in this film, because we don't want to interfere with King Richard and Queen Amber. They're together and they're happy. Of course. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to word vomit the plot. And then we're going to stop, and then we can dissect it. Because if I don't word vomit it, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to work this out. So. Brace yourselves. That's going on. Aldovia and their greatest ally, Penglia, have a treaty that has to be signed once every hundred years to be renewed. Um, Amber wants to sign it, but she's been told that the the Penglians won't do that. Uh, The Penglian royalty arrive. Um, Amber delays the signing because she wants the queens to sign as well as the kings, but the treaty's been stolen. A blizzard's closed all the airports, shocker. Um, So they realise that everything must still be there. There's an investigation by the palace staff. There's also an ancient curse that will befall (laughs) the firstborn child of the monarchs responsible for breaking the treaty, which would be the unborn baby. Um, Various things are going on. There's a baby shower with, like, no guests. There's handmade things. Uh, The King and Queen of Penglia are like helping out and being lovely. Um, then, as the deadline gets closer, they're still looking. Amber faints. They go back to the castle. Uh, they learn about the legend. Amber gets very scared, so they renew all their search. They discover that Simon's found a piece of paper, potentially evil Simon. Uh, that keeps track of Aldovia's debt to Penglia, which is over a billion dollars, even despite the, the the renewed economy from the second film. That's crazy. Um, if the treaty is not found, then Aldovia would owe all of it immediately. Um, so Amber and Melissa try and look into Hyman. Then Amber goes into labour, realises something, uh, the... Doctor's car gets stuck, so Richard sets out on horseback to find the doctor. <laughs> the Queen of Peglia, who, is, who used to work at a maternity hospital. Of course, of course. <laughs> naturally helps Amber have a child. Uh, Amber realises something and instructs Emily and the Queen, Helena, who was the Queen in the previous films, but is now, I guess, the Queen Mother, 
type thing, except she's still a queen, except she's not Queen Amber, she's Queen Helena. They go down to the castle dungeons in order to search for the thing, uh, and they get trapped. Richard finds the doctor, they all hurry back. Emily and her mother find the missing treaty. Helena uses a hair clip uh, to free them both. I don't know why that has to be mentioned. They find the treaty, <laughs> everyone gets to sign. The Queen's decide to sign as well, so everyone's happy. It gets signed at 11.59pm, a little bit of dramatic tension. And then oh, Amber reveals the culprit behind the treaty's disappearance. Mr. Little. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time we've mentioned Mr. Little, um, but apparently he's... <laughs> the descendant of someone who was allegedly poisoned during the original signing of the Treaty and Swore Vengeance. Um, I like how this has gone on for literally centuries then, you know? He gets sent to the uh, dungeons. Uh, Simon a... reveals that, that the whole side plot with his like not being fully involved in the romantic side of things was that he was trying to add economic amendments to the treaty to benefit both kingdoms, and then he proposes to Melissa that everything's happy, they have a baby girl, and uh, release it to everyone, and then Amber writes her final blog post thanking her readers for their support for the years, wishes everyone a happy Christmas, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. End scene. That was a lot of talking. <laughs> there's... Oh, so there's a lot to unpack with that. And it feels it, like a chaotic mess. It's a huge chaotic mess. I, I kind of love it. I'm kind of here for it. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think the reception agreed with us. But it sounds amazing. I it really love like, the... Gone. Mr. Little is revealed as the bad guy. And when I looked back, apparently Mr. Little has appeared in both of the previous films. It's yep. just that he's not done anything worthwhile <laughs> Noteworthy. Like, and this is noteworthy with a lot of, like, leeway. Like, there is so much going on in these uh, plot points on the Wikipedia pages. And he's just not mentioned. Um... But it turns out he was the bad guy, so, you know, well done setting that up from film one. Yeah, that is a lot of work. They really planned that one in. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'd like to think what happened was Mr. Little's actor just went across and was like, look, I am sick of being a bit part. I want something bigger. And oh, then they oh, wrote him in. Yeah. It seems like a huge chaotic mess, but it does feature Christmas magic. Dramatic last-minute signings. A blizzard. A blizzard. Um, the miracle Heart of life. Romance. Yeah. Romance. Um, Betrayal. Babies being born in, like, less-than-ideal conditions. Everything that Christmas is about. And I think, instead of it being an average rating of 3.8 out of 10, it should be an average rating of 8.3 out of 10. I think so. Um... I'm just, yeah <laughs> I, I'm here for it so that is the plot of all of the film <laughs> <laughs> now here's how they tie together <laughs> so Netflix, how do they tie together <laughs> Netflix tweeted this nice little image and 
the initial linking was that they're all by the same like production company. So whenever they needed TV in any of the other films, they used the others. So Holiday in the Wild was on a TV in the night before Christmas. Uh, Christmas Inheritance is on a TV in the holiday calendar and the Princess Switch. And A Christmas Prince is on a TV in the holiday calendar and the Princess Switch. But in a night before the night before Christmas, Aldova Via is specifically mentioned, which means that it has to take place in the same universe. Um, Emmanuel something's character mentions their family once visited Aldovia and pulls out the iconic acorn. And in the Christmas Prince, the Royal Baby, Aldovia and Belgravia are actually near one another in a map, so they definitely take place in the same world with the same fictional countries. Um, and then in the Princess Switch, switched again. Queen this is the Amber third installment. King, no, the second. The second one. Oh, second installment. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I have seen them. Uh, Qu King, <laughs> Queen Amber and King Richard from the Christmas Prince films show up. Uh, as do and Simon shows up in the third one. <gasps> so the Princess Switch and the Christmas Prince like have shared characters. So they're definitely in the same world. It suggests that the night before Christmas is also taking place in that world. The rest of it's kind of things appearing on TV in different places, which kind of breaks things in various ways, but we can assume that it's news coverage, perhaps. As uh, opposed to, like, Hallmark TV 24-7. Yeah. Netflix TV 24-7. <laughs> um... Looking into the thread on Twitter, someone points out that the holiday calendar is the only one that's linked in a way that is not on TV in a different film. So potentially in the holiday calendar universe like that could be separate and they could just be watching Netflix. But the other ones all kind of have to take place in the same in a shared universe. This is crazy. Um, there's I, a lot of tweets about how the MCU walked so Netflix's holiday movie cinematic universe could work. <laughs> um, I'm here for that. You know what? Clicks for Netflix. Big fan of this whole thing. So it's all in the same universe. That's why we're reviewing these films. They are all... It's, it's irrefutable that they are, in fact, all in the same universe. I will not hear anything otherwise. And if you did want to disagree with us, then you can go on Twitter and at us at Today's Medium or join yeah. our Discord or just look at the link tree that's in the description for this podcast. I was going to say exactly. video. So, 10 films, 10 places. Let's just rank them up dead quickly because we have been going for a while. <laughs> uh, Holiday in the Wild, worst one. Not Christmas. Holiday Easy. calendar number nine. Yeah, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Christmas Inheritance, the standard Christmas film, I think is in number eight. Do you reckon that low? I I, I did say I think it will come low. Just I reckon it's seven. I think the Royal Wedding, I reckon a Christmas Prince to Royal Wedding is pretty poor. Concept-wise, I don't know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, what happens in it realistically? <laughs> they um, get married and they set up Simon. They get Simon. married, there's the demands. It's fairly basic, to be fair, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. The royal wedding, however, the other two are great. The and then I'll say Christmas the inheritance. Then yeah. Christmas inheritance. Then I think maybe the royal baby. No. <laughs> No, no, the, the Royal Betty's high. The original. <laughs> yeah. Then the, then the Royal Baby, because yeah. our top four films are, of course, the four with Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> <laughs> with her Herculean performances, might I add. Um, I want to put The Night Before Christmas in number one. You know what? I'll allow it. I, it's, it's tough, but I do want the prince... I don't know what order to set the princess switch in, though. You know? I think the one that features the most Vanessa Hudgens, Princess okay, no, that's Three, a very should good be in point. number two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the one with the second most Vanessa Hudgens, Princess Switch switched again, should be in number three. <laughs> and then in fourth place is the Princess Switch. Um, they're probably a three-way tie, broken they are a joint, purely they by are. the number of Vanessa Hudgens characters slash the amount she appears in the billing. And I think we've done it. I think that's it. So, number one, Night Before Christmas, then Princess Switch 3, then 2, then 1, then Christmas Prince 3, then Christmas Prince 1, then Christmas Inheritance, then Christmas Prince 2, then the Holiday Calendar, and last place is A Holiday in the Wild, which leaves us with just one question. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Go on, Dan, hit me with it. Hit me with it. If we assume that Vanessa Hudgens can play an infinite number of characters, could she therefore fight an infinite number of lions? <laughs> okay, right. Yes, uh, I think is the easy answer to that one. We have to assume that Vanessa Hudgens can take on one lion. Or even so, she's an infinite number sure of Vanessa she... Hudgens. What? You said that she's an infinite number of Vanessa Hudgens, well, right? But there's theoretically an infinite number of lions. Uh, uh, ha- I think that she's allowed to take part once in each act, each potential character Vanessa Hudgens could play should be allowed to take part in the fight. I think, I don't know, does she have infinite range? It would be a bold claim to make that based off four Christmas films. Hey, I mean, if we take into account the three high school musicals as well, there's a lot of range there. That's true. Um, you see? Okay, so I guess we have to argue about what... How, 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 how many lions do you think Hercules could take on, Dan? I... A lot of lions. Mm-hmm, it is a mm-hmm. Herculean acting effort. I mean, I assume it gives you some amount of Hercules' strength. Of course, of course. That's why it's called a Herculean effort, you know? I, I think maybe four or five lions for each Vanessa Hudgens. I think that's a reasonable argument to put forward. So, I feel like I can definitely see Vanessa Hudgens taking on four or five lines. Yeah, so so what I'm thinking is we only get an hour's prep time, and whilst I think Vanessa Hudgens does have the range to play aliens, yeah. I don't think in an hour's prep time the makeup department are going to be able to prep <laughs> those characters. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we assume she's having to play humans... Of course, yeah. Like, about 10 billion humans. That's a lot of lions. So that's like 50 billion lions. <laughs> oh my god! 
like that's a lot. She's like splitting into like ten billion different acting. Vanessa roles, Hutchins and each is one's fighting four or five lions, and I mm -hmm. think, well, maybe she splits into fewer acting roles, but because if if it's described as Herculean when she plays three characters in the same film, then mm -hmm. perhaps yeah. she only has to split into like nine or ten different characters, and it's just the the impressiveness of the, her acting feat gives her extra strength. I think that's a very valid point. So I think I think a solid like five billion lions. And that oh. gives her like ninety percent chance to just hold back. I don't think the world's ready for Vanessa Hudgens at full blast, you know? That's it. I think that that's a very valid point. I don't think that we could handle Vanessa Hudgens at her most Vanessa Hudgens. Um so five billion lions. Yeah, I think that's a very valid number. Quite easily. Yeah. Uh, how many Hell, zeros even does if a billion? Nine? <laughs> so five and then nine zeros, I one, think. One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah, that seems about right. Sweet. Okay, well, whatever that number is, we're taking it as five billion. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I think it might be... <laughs> An American billion, but I don't even know if that's a thing in the days hey, of her. She's 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 American, so it's fine. Five billion lions. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there because we have been going for a while. Um, uh, if you've stayed tuned and listened, thank you very much. Maybe drop us a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Maybe tweet us telling us that you listened to the entire episode and that you enjoyed it, or that you yeah. hated it because Dan loves to hear those comments. I thrive off your hate and the fact that we don't get hate mail or like more hate mail is upsetting to me I I really want to know how much you hate me personally and I like to hear how much you love things so if you really <laughs> love it, tweet me at Jimmy Cromo or at Today's Medium or just go onto the link tree and there's a link to everything that you'll need just do that, let us know what you think, leave us a review yeah and uh, have a great two weeks. Bye. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Ka-chow. I don't know why I said that. <laughs>